it good to be ambitious? Is there a point when being driven by goals and accomplishments can be detrimental to your family, your health, and even your legacy? On the other hand, is there such a thing as not being ambitious enough? In today's episode, we get to learn from seasoned business consultant Seth Buekley as we discuss his book, Ambition, Leading with Gratitude. Seth sold a company at age 27 and set out to make his mark on the world, only to find that being ambitious was a balancing act that required him to grow personally more than he first realized. Seth helps us learn how ambition can be an important part of our career journey as he answers five big questions here on Made to Thrive. Are you tired of just going through the motions? Do you know that there's more to life, but you aren't sure how to become all God made you to be? Are you looking for a community of people who aren't perfect either, but who want to be fully alive? This is Made to Thrive. Each week, we encourage, equip, and empower you on your journey as we interview experts and share resources to help you every step of the way. Let's thrive together. Seth Buekley, welcome to Made to Thrive. Thanks for being here. Glad to be with you, Sam. This is going to be fun. I totally agree. Yeah, we're, we're tackling uh, this question of career as we go, as we cycle through the uh, the seven core areas of Made to Thrive. We're going to be uh, dealing with career a lot, especially uh, kind of in the back half of, of our interview. But I want to start, uh, if you're up for it, with digging into your book, uh, Ambition, Leading with Gratitude, uh, which is really just a treat. And for those of you who are following the trajectory of Made to Thrive, you're going to hear a ton about this in the future. <laughs> so yeah. uh, excited to be able to to get in uh, and dig into some of this stuff, uh, Seth, and just just to have the listeners learn a little bit about you and, and we can talk about kind of your journey through that lens of ambition uh, through your book, if you'd like. Sure. No, I'm excited about that. And I also like the, uh, the angle around career uh, because there's a lot of different paths and even the definition is, is there such a thing as a career? Is he, it, mm. is, it's in itself a, a interesting topic and you know, what has changed over these few generations relative to career? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you, t- Add a comment to that because I think sure. that's that even comes yeah. up more and more in our right. as we feed maybe something deeper of our ambition or our vision for what yeah. life is. It always includes career or whatever yeah. we think of career being. Yeah, and and uh, I, I think people have to be careful when they when they use the word career because in some ways it's a it's a mental picture of what it should be like. Hmm. And, and where are they getting that? Um, you know, um, if you looked at old television shows or movies, you would have seen the guy working at the factory and coming home and the wife was there and dinner was ready. And when he worked 35 years, he got the gold watch and he had a pension. And, and I, you know, I often say, I don't know who flinched first, the corporation or the employee, yeah. but that contract that if you really follow the rules, somebody's going to take care of you. I don't think that that exists anymore. And, and I don't, mm. and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, a, it's a, it's a real thing. And so we have a mental model. Um, I have a friend who spent uh, quite a bit of time in another industry and, and from time to time in moments of candor, he'll say, you know, that his career is in the tank. He's very frustrated about that. Mm. And, and I almost never use the phrase my career. Um, and, and part of that is I don't want to be defined by a construct that's out there that's kind of mythical. It's like, what the heck is it, right? One, one guy so, told me once, he said, uh, 
I think this was Mike Maya who first introduced me to this concept. He goes, if you really get to the roots of the word career, it mm. speaks to a racetrack where you're going round and round and round the same thing. And mm. he said, is that really what we're aspiring to? Is that really mm. what it is by career? Mm -hmm. And so those two comments kind of lead me to a, a, a thesis, which is a career is your kind of your body of work over time. Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily something you need to find. It's something that you build, right? And yeah. the idea that you can go find it and then you're in the zone and then you're on a track. There are, there are industries where that is the case. You know, you go here, you go to school, you get a residency, then you take a job here and then you go to private practice and then you buy your mm -hmm. building and then you sell it. And there's some predefined routes. But for a lot of us, it reminds me more of that Liam Neeson line, which is I've gathered a certain set of skills, you know, <laughs> and, right. you know, I can mess you up with them. And, and, and that's what it's like is we have experiences, we gain skills, we use those skills to make money or to serve others in different capacities, um, you know, as a steward for what God has granted us. Yeah. But also sometimes you get a stretch and scratch your itch in completely new areas that might not look like a career. So I know I said a lot right there, but that's kind of how I think about career. Yeah. Yeah. And even thinking about it, you know, is it in, a, in and of itself a misnomer because it's singular and we think, right. of, you know, like it has yeah. to be, it has to only look like one thing. There's one box yeah. it can fit into. Yeah. That's, that's why I think, and I love what you're talking about, even, even to set up the dynamic of we've got, we're measuring whatever we're doing by an ideal that maybe well, certainly doesn't really exist anymore and probably yeah. wasn't all that rosy to begin with, right? <laughs> you, know, you, you know, just, you know, what just, you can study sociologically, like the journey of the, the workman through, you know, from 1900 till now, it's, yeah. there's a, could, could be some, some spots along the way that we're not so hot, uh, but we've yeah. packaged it as, or it's been packaged for us as this is the ideal. And not only that it should be one very, you know, identifiable mm -hmm. thing, but it's even aspirational. Like that you right. should want it. Well, yes. Um, so you can say, well, where else does it happen? It happens with education itself. If you mm -hmm. go here and do this, here's the result that you should expect. That's not necessarily mm -hmm. true. It mm -hmm. does. Madison Avenue pitches that all, in investment products. If you just invest your money with us, you can expect a retirement that looks like so this. Simple. Right? And, and so with, with career, I think we have to be careful to not fall into that track, but instead to say, listen, am I growing? Am I serving? Am I gaining skills? Am I making mm -hmm. money? Am I, you know, what are these things that, that would define a career, but it's, uh, it's definitely got a lot of different, uh, outcomes that can become that. Yeah. Yeah. What well, I, I was, was thinking about this in your journey through your book, through ambition and, and looking at how in a lot of ways you were identifying with whatever, career you currently had and the, and the fruits of it, uh, good or bad, right? Because sure. there are some, sometimes when, you know, when we're, when we're journeying along and we see that, and maybe we only have this kind of periods of force reflection, maybe when mm -hmm. we have a job loss or like you had a, you know, you sold a company, you're able to say, okay, I, I kind of can't do anything at the moment. So I'm, maybe I will think about this for half a second, but we're seeing our career and identity is so intertwined and, how that can be both good and bad, depending on, yeah, I guess how we're living it out or, or how we're allowing it to express. Did, do you remember those kind of those points along the way and how like, sure. Go back to those times. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's there's phases of life, you know, you're launching into life, you're, you're starting a family, you're trying to, to, to 
buy your first house. And, and, and for those things make it really obvious, Hey, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm being very mm. responsible. And then as you mm. get a little bit older, sometimes you, you can start to have a little latitude of, am, am I doing this by choice? And then from time to time, mm. uh, you, 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 you know, the circumstances are changed. You, you either, you get laid off and you're like, wow, I was so invested in that job that who am I now? Mm -hmm. Or in my case, I sold a business. I'm so invested in being, you know, an owner of this, this growing company. Who am I now? And, um, and I think part of it, frankly, is being male. Uh, some people might argue with that, that everybody feels that way, but I think, uh, men in the role of provider, that's kind of hardwired. We, we really can tend to define ourselves by our, um, you know, by our work. And, and that's one of the things as being mm -hmm. men of faith, you start to say, no, work is something I get to do, but it shouldn't define who I am. Yeah. And when it starts to define who I am, now I have to stop and do some spiritual work to say, no, who I am is a child of God that's loved by God. And, and the things that I have in my life are gifts that I get to use for him, but they're not, they're not me. Yeah. So do you see when there's an over-identification with a career is do you, would you project that that is potentially trying to make up for something like a deficit in other areas? I don't know. That it's, I think it's a deficiency in other areas. I don't know. If, I don't know. If, I think, yeah, we all have, we all have these needs, uh, you know, and um, you're either going to fill them in healthy ways or unhealthy ways. So I mm -hmm. would say, yes, you know, I, often, frankly, it's just lack of thought. It's not actually thinking about what are, what do we believe about our work? Other than, well, I need to work and I need to work hard and I need to make money. Okay. Those are, those are, those things are true, but you start to view it as uh, a privilege. You start to view it as a platform for, for, for influence and impact. You start to view it as something God puts in front of you to be fulfilled. And I think it makes it a little bit easier to attach yourself to the God that gives you the opportunity than, than the actual work. But it, you know, it's not easy. We all, I mean, we care, we care about the things that we spend our time on and we spend an mm -hmm. awful lot of time working, um, mm -hmm. but there's no one size fits all. And, you know, I write about it in the book that I grew up in a commune in the woods. So that's my starting spot. Um, and I grew up around people that really didn't highlight education. They thought, you know, that it was a waste of time. Mm. And so I kind of had that chip on my shoulder of, uh, you know, I'm going to do this a, different way. If the world is saying, go to school and get a four-year degree and then wait till you're married and, you know, get your house and your picket fence. I was like the opposite. I married my high school sweetheart. I skipped college. I went into business with my dad um, and uh, just took a completely different route. And part of that was trying to, you know, a little bit of a, trying to prove something. Sure. Um, and, you know, over time I had to realize, you know, what was motivating me, I like to call it now is kind of dirty fuel. It's like I had a little chip on my shoulder <laughs> because I had people around me in the, in the commune mm -hmm. that had basically uh, made me feel like, uh, you know, second class citizen working really, really mm -hmm. hard to become a first class citizen. And it kind of created this, well, I'll, you know, just give me enough time and I'll prove you wrong. Kind of, kind of attitude. Mm -hmm. Let me keep your and, address because I'm going to be coming back. Yeah. <laughs> and that didn't, that didn't go away as, mm things started to go well. Hmm. And, you know, so when things went really well, we ended up selling a business that we had built for, you know, millions of dollars. And I'm, a, I owned a third of the business and I was like, holy cow. I mean, I'm not even 30 yet. And I'm on the board of a public company yeah. and 
uh, that was, that was, nobody wants to hear you whine about that, by the way. You know, I've learned that, (laughs) but even good things can be very traumatic and cause Mm. you to just question, all right, what, what's going on now? now What is my purpose? Mm -hmm. And it, it actually took me probably about a decade to come to grips with, um, that my identity wasn't tied to my work, Mm. that um, rather than seeing my first success as a guarantee that everything I do after that was just going to be more and more success. I've got the true. Yeah. Cause I had a lot of failures Mm. and then also what was going on in my head Mm. and um, you know, what was going on in my head at that point um, I was very disappointed because a lot of the things that I thought would be true when, when I ended up selling a business and having money weren't true. Mm. And then, and then I tried a bunch of other things that didn't go well. And so what I observed about really, really driven personalities is we were very subject to disappointment, either because the thing we wanted, we get, but it didn't have that emotional payout we were expecting. We had this model of what it was going to look like and it didn't happen. It didn't feel that way. Or, you know, we set really, really high goals and we fail at those. And so I find that really driven personality types struggle with disappointment because we have these expectations that we're always setting. And, you know, I became convinced that even though I was really driven and, and going, you know, had one success going for more, I was experiencing failure mm-hmm. and, um, and, and in even some ways, in comp- success. Yes. Unquote. Correct. Because I had yeah. more money than I ever had, yeah. but I wasn't happy. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm traveling around at that point. You know, I'm, like I said, I'm 27 to 30. I'm traveling around the country. I got more money than brains at that point. And I'm like, you know, a little bit of compromise in areas that I, that I would have never thought that I would compromise in because, mm. you know, uh, I just didn't have, uh, you know, I like to say that, you know, when you have success, it reveals what's true about your character and your mm-hmm. foundation. Um, and uh, in my case, I had some shoring up to do. And so I had to kind of double back and say, who am I? You know, what the heck did I do wrong? Because I had a bunch of investments after I had hit it big in sure. my late 20s that just totally went south and uh, very, you know, very frustrating and embarrassing and all those things. And I'm, I'm kind of decompressing with myself, Sam. I'm like, what the heck, what did I do wrong? And, and mm-hmm. praying like, Lord. Mm-hmm. And I got clarity on that. And the clarity mm-hmm. that came to me was that I hadn't been grateful, really, really driven, just not grateful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was kind of the, probably the big quote unquote career pivot for me was realizing yeah. you can keep chasing and there's always going to be something out front to aim for. But until you develop a relationship with, gratitude, like true appreciation for all that you have and all that you've been given and where you've come from, that sense of satisfaction, this side of heaven, I think we have limited satisfaction, but any sense of satisfaction is hard to come by. It's so interesting to think about the, the tension that's between the person who is ambitious and it's, it's almost perpetual disappointment because they have either have not yet arrived at their desired destination or yeah. worse, they have right. <laughs> found it so lacking. Yeah. <laughs> you, you talk in your book about the, I think it was the, 
the model of the curve of mm-hmm. I'm going to this next point on the horizon, but yeah. when I get there, oh look, yeah. <laughs> look look what's over there. There's another point yeah. on the horizon, <laughs> and I better yeah. keep continuing. I think uh, John Maxwell, I think, it calls it destination disease. Of that, it's twofold. One is like there's always something in front of us, but also there's the it'll all be better once I get there, right? But, but then you you find you you're never actually arriving, and yeah. and gratitude solves that problem though. Is it is what you're saying? It does. And, and, and you, you begin to work from this sense of what is true. You know, mm-hmm. as driven people, we're, we're, we tend to be very, very forward focused and, and focusing there. We don't spend as much time, in my argument, not nearly enough time doing an accounting of what is already true. What has God said about me? Mm-hmm. Where are the places in my life that I get to serve, that I get to have impact? You know, what has Christ done for me personally? You know, I actually, this isn't written in the book because I didn't really write the book to be um, quote unquote Christian, but I use mm. John three sixteen as a great gratitude adjustment. I talk mm. about that, and 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 it's you think about that verse. And if I was doing this before I realized John three sixteen was written this way. I would think about God's love, and then I would think about you know what Christ had done for me, and I, um, and then I would think about all the areas I get to serve. You know, and I would like all right if I would do that, it would really kind of shift how I felt. Hmm. Then I looked at John three sixteen, and it's laid out the same way for God. <laughs> so loved the world. So there's so the loving God yep. <laughs> that he gave his only begotten son. So there's Christ being willing to leave heaven and come to earth on a mission to rescue mm-hmm. us that whosoever believes in him would not perish. So there's the salvation part, like personal forgiveness, which we all need, but would have everlasting life. Well, that, that everlasting life doesn't start someday in the future. It actually starts correct. now. That's when, correct. When we trust Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's my, that is my, um, and, and so as I would do that exercise, and then of course I was shocked that John three sixteen was the, really the same thing. Yeah, um, did you realize this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Always bazillion steps ahead of me. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> yeah. he's like, Seth, did you just realize this? Right. Um, that became a way to say, all right, uh, specifically this, this, this idea that now I'm working from a position of what's already mm. true. I'm not working for something. It's less striving yes. and more around, all right, I've been given these gifts. It's more like stewardship. It's more like, all right, now I can be a steward of what's already true rather than trying to create a bunch of things for my, mm. you know, myself. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, two things jump, jumps to mind. One is I'm thinking about being grateful and I, I thought of this a long time ago and you think about like asset appreciation, you know, things are growing, but I realized that what you appreciate appreciates what you focus on with gratitude grows, even if nothing else happens to it. And that's a great way to, to gain that, right. Just that perspective. And then the other way you just talked about striving Alex Kendrick, who's from the, uh, the movie making brothers. He, I heard him say one time, everything you do is either from approval or for approval. Yeah. And you catch yourself in the for approval stage, right? You can backtrack and say, wait, I've got all the from approval already. (laughs) Why why am I striving? It's almost like striving ahead for what's ahead or being carried by the wave of approval from behind. We just got back from San Diego. So I'm thinking of riding waves in uh, and, you know, that you don't have to do any much. You just have to catch it. And then that's not easy. I've I've determined catching waves. I don't have any photos yeah. <laughs> documenting me catching anything out there yeah. other than crab cakes, but I saw a lot of it happen. Yeah, for sure. 
So, uh, you know, getting a grip on gratitude is, is I really think awesome. it's a, it's a big deal for, uh, it doesn't mean we're not striving you know, we can be grateful sure. for what we have. We're not, we're not doing a layup, but, um, we don't have to be uptight. And, um, you know, I find we, we really celebrate this entrepreneur lifestyle, but we're also not very candid about the downside risks and the downside pitfalls that come with it. And I think we need to manage that. We need to be eyes mm. wide open, uh, in letting people know that there are downsides to choosing the entrepreneurial path or downsides to just being a driven person and that you have to manage those or you will completely get out of kilter very quickly. And for me, I, I like to say, listen, I drift. So I reread my book from time to time because I forget and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, yeah. I believe this is true, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I wake up feeling that way every day. I, I need to reorient myself to truth to keep myself on track. That's awesome. Well, I, I love that you mentioned that because I wanted to have at least a last question for me about ambition. We can talk about tons more about this because there's so much in there. Just even running, like giving a vision for our listeners of somebody who has a career or a life that's marked by ambition, that's maybe more rooted in envy and comparison versus mm-hmm. one by someone who I think about like grateful, but still driven because you want to make an impact. Like there's, an, yeah. there's I think there's an ambition f- that's other centered or, or, yeah. you know, maybe more mission driven. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's from your own experience or just other people you've seen as you've done yeah. coaching and consulting. But those, sure. I think seeing those two can help people as they approach them to think either I'm on the right track or man, I better pump the brakes. Yeah. I, I think um, this is where outside perspective helps, mm-hmm. you know, having a, a life partner and a, and a wife that, you know, that you can just be honest and open with. Yes. Um, or husband and, 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 you know, for your female listeners, um, I think, um, really doing motivation work. That's one of the things Mm -hmm. that I did after selling a a company is it, it forced me to stop and think around what, what is going to motivate me? What do I care about? What, as a person of faith, what, what Mm -hmm. should I care about? Mm -hmm. Right. And in some cases, why don't I care about that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and and starting to get a grip on purpose. You know, what mm-hmm. is God's purpose for my purpose, right? And and how do I find alignment? And really, at a core level, becoming very very convicted about that. I think that's important for people. Mm-hmm. No no accident. Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life, yeah. uh, top seller, right? Um, yeah. So really understanding. And, and I have a framework I use in my brain. It's the last three chapters of the book is the first thing is reaching for your potential. That is uh, a matter of stewardship. It's like, who mm. gets to define our potential? You don't get to define my potential. I don't get to define your potential. Right. Really God does. And so I don't say reaching our potential because that's like, well, what do you do after you've reached it? Now you, you go home. I mean, we never really expected much out of you anyhow, Sam. So, you know, you've <laughs> reached right. it. You're done. You know, that right? was Ben Franklin's quote, right? Most men live till they're 25, but wait to die until they're 65. Like that's, yes. a, it's an early on. It's a, it, I mean, that just makes our heart sick to think that yes. we would hear that we had so much uh, potential and missed it. Right. Yes. And, and, and so, so then the question is, okay, then what are you doing to reach for your potential? And mm-hmm. we start to, and, and, I, and I always say that's growing. If you are growing, now you're reaching for your potential. So for one of my hallmarks of how do I choose where I invest my energies has to pass that test. Am I reaching for my potential? The next one would be, am I impacting my world? And notice I didn't say the world. 
Mm-hmm. Because in today's world, I think what can happen is we're so uh, caught up in reaching people we'll never actually know on the other mm-hmm. side of an airwave that we tend to ignore the people in our sphere of influence that we really do have access to and credibility and context and contact Mm. to truly change their lives. If we Mm -hmm. will pay attention to what you said, things appreciate that you appreciate. And so the opportunity to impact our world, the unique sphere of influence we've been given to me, I think there's a lot of people that are so busy chasing something out there in their, their career or their reputation or things that are relatively transient and don't really satisfy us anyhow, that we don't Mm -hmm. impact our world. And then the last piece I like to say is, does it pass the legacy test? Meaning, am I spending some time investing in that next generation, which of course is legacy, Mm -hmm. but also clarifying what I believe and transferring those values to others, particularly people in the family, right? So as I think about my work and my life purpose, I've gotten pretty clear that, hey, for me, that's the, th- those are some tests from time to time. I'm going to drag it out and I'm going to say, are the things that I'm caring about, spending mm-hmm. money and time on meeting this, this test? And as, as a man of faith, I could say, and all of that is, and, and it's all before the Lord. It's like, Lord, help me think through how I can do these things well for your glory, for my benefit, the good of others, right? Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I love that. That's a, that's a really simple start from where you are and walk that out. Uh, yeah. a, a mental checklist of yeah, yeah. just and and I've I've thought of this before of I can't remember who said it first but it was the idea that just asking yourself the question mm-hmm. keeps you on track more than making sure you've got the right answer but just bringing the question to mind and having those you know those regular we just we just read I don't know if you read through the ruthless elimination of hurry I have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he talks about one, you know, one day a month, he just goes and, you know, checks out, sits down, looks at his calendar. How have I been spending my time? You know, like just, just that the separation from to ask yourself specific questions, the intentionality of that. Uh, I think that that can do so much more for us than whatever answer we come up with <laughs> to answer that yeah. question, just yeah. to take that in. That's great. If you're good with it, I'm going to shift over to five big questions uh, because we've, we've been teasing a little bit of those anyway. It's a couple of things that we've talked about already. I think are going to fit beautifully into this, but we're writing the book, Why Aren't Men Thriving? And uh, focusing on five big questions uh, for guys, especially about career. And so I would love to just your 30,000 foot view or again, some of your, you know, your own experiences or, or anecdotes from people you've worked with. Uh, alongside with for a number of years, but w- uh, I would ask, I would posit first and foremost that I would say most men aren't thriving in their careers, and so I want to ask, as that as that's a supposition, why aren't men thriving in their careers? What's holding them back from that? My head goes initially to um, you know playing it safe uh, hmm. versus versus you know taking risks or maybe having impact. And I realize I want to be careful because in some cases, um, you know, it's a luxury, you know, in some, some instances you don't really have, you know, you're like, listen, I'm here to pay the bills for my family. I'm not here 
to get satisfaction from my work. It's called work for a reason. I mean, there is a, there is a, a principle of that. And I think a hundred mm-hmm. years ago, that's the way people viewed their work. And I think, so I think today it's kind of a luxury uh, to think in terms of, can I thrive and have my emotional needs met through my work? Um, I think it's, I think the answer is yes, you can. Um, but I, you know, I, I would say intentionality, I would say maybe commitment to growth mm. and, uh, and pushing, you know, pushing, you know, um, not everybody has the same aspirations. It took me a while to figure that out. Sure. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> right. Why, why isn't everyone like me? Right. And matter of fact, it's <laughs> I've funny. asked myself I, a lot too. <laughs> I write about this in the book. I, I have a buddy and I said something like, you know, ambitious people, people struggle to find satisfaction. And he said, yeah, satisfied people struggle to find ambition too. And I just looked at him like, oh my gosh, I've never thought yes. of that. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. And, and so, so, I mean, some people aren't thriving because um, that's not their goal, right? They don't, they want, don't want to thrive. They're not, they, they don't have a vision for what it, what it could be like, or they're mm-hmm. not willing to do what it takes to make it different. Um, those are my initial thoughts, but, you know, just kind of, yeah. you know, playing it safe. Um, there's, you know, my dad used to say when it came to the nine to five job, he's like, listen, if, if you can do that, you should do that. Hmm. And, uh, you know, implication there, some people can't do that. They're not made to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and each of us gets to decide the answer to that. And, and it shouldn't be a judgment thing. I mean, I think Absolutely. there's something, I think there's something to be said for that guy that works a simple job, at five o'clock, he turns it off. He goes home and coaches his kid's sports program. He's faithful to his wife. He serves in his church. He may not have a mansion. He probably has a boat and he owns his house. I'm like, there's, there's actually nothing wrong with that. And, and I think we do ourselves a disservice if we say that everybody's got to be uh, on Instagram with luxury goods, you know? Yeah. Well, I think about this even of, you know, I, perhaps a lot of people aren't, a lot of guys aren't thriving in their careers because their picture of their career is someone else's. Right. And maybe, right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe with just some gratitude that they'd be good to go. Cause there is something you're, you're yeah. absolutely right. Of, of they've, they're using nine to five to buy five to nine, but they also aren't answering emails. They're not thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a, there's an element of that. I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of nice, <laughs> but I'm just yeah. not, I'm, I'm, I think I'm wired a little bit more like you. In, in well, the and I t- next and, thing. And I also say, you know, uh, leaders seek their own level and not ever. Mm. I mean, I think everybody can be a leader, but I, some people are hardwired to be in leadership. And, and, and I think in an organization, that's one thing I would say to be very, very careful of is if you feel driven towards leadership and called the leadership, then it's incumbent to pick a company that has a culture that allows leaders to grow. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, sometimes some, right. So sometimes they're not thriving because they're not in the right environment that is right. Interested in them. Yeah, <laughs> and them uh, aspiring to more things. Yeah. All right. They so, may be stuck. Yeah. Yeah. So you look back at your career, uh, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll say that as a body of work, certain chapters right. of it, there are times when you weren't thriving. Yeah. What What made the difference? Maybe it's gratitude. You're welcome to circle back to mm-hmm. that. Uh, what made the difference when you, when you early started saying either, you know, I am thriving now or because it's situational or it's the, you know, everywhere I go there I am. And it's an inside job. Yeah. I, I think, um, 
part of it is understanding how you're wired. I think as you get a little older, it's incumbent upon each person to understand what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? So you, so you need to play to your strengths, but have other mm. people to, to cover your weaknesses. Yeah. And so the times that I've, I've thrived is where I, I'm part of a team. For whatever reason, God has kind of made me to where my biggest wins have always come part of a small team, never as that, in the, you know, that iconoclastic uh, solopreneur. Uh, just to be honest with you, the idea of being a solopreneur makes me want to throw up because it feels like I'd have to be doing every little thing that I know I'm bad at, three yes. quarters of them. And the other thing is, I don't think you have as much impact when you're a solopreneur. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't solopreneurs and people called to be that. I'm just saying for me, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, that's not me. And it's never worked for me. And so when I've not thrived, it's usually because I've tried to do everything myself, started mm -hmm. a new venture, maybe raise some money. But I didn't have a team of experts truly executing. I had too much on my own shoulders and I got all trapped up in the details. Um, and I, it, so I was doing work that was misaligned with my giftings. Yes. And then sometimes it's because I tried to do it alone. Um, maybe not thinking it through, uh, being more biased towards action than planning has, mm -hmm. has, has kicked my butt more than once. Mm -hmm. Um and, so, and, and that's usually when I feel out of sorts. I, I like to say there's this feeling sometimes I get of being over my skis where I'm like, why is this hard? Why is this not working? Why are people not understanding? And often what I found is I've, I've moved too fast towards a decision to implementing and I haven't thought it through well enough. I haven't built mm -hmm. consensus with people who need to care about it. Mm -hmm. And it's, and I got I to gotta walk it back. The farther you get down that road, the harder it is to walk it back. Sometimes you yes. actually have to shut it down and, you know, and that, that would be called a business failure, but uh, I've had a few of those and, and you know, um, but those are some of the most um, ripe environments for learning is through those failures. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn mm -hmm. is uh, one of one of my favorite Maxwell books or book mm -hmm. covers. Cause you don't know some of his books, you don't have to read them. You just look at the cover. You're like, yes, that's correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I'm moving on to the, to the next thing. That's great. Uh, and we talked about the gratitude part about being able to change that part. Also, I love that part too. And you even talked about earlier and not just knowing your strengths and weaknesses, knowing your motivations, like knowing what's, yeah. what's going to be, Hey, this is exciting to me now. Is this mm -hmm. going to be something that's going to, I'm going to be able to sustain my interest in this, you know, six months, you know, 12 months, six years, 12 years, because yeah. it's inherently baked into me like that. I like this stuff. Uh, right. I think that's a, that's a great self-awareness part. And we don't, we learn a lot about everything but ourselves in education. So it's nice to have sure. sort of that yeah. self-learning. Right. Well, it's, a, I, it's funny. I'm thinking about a Dave Ramsey quote where he says, your, your income is your greatest lever. Right. Hmm. And you're like, you could almost make that same argument and knowing yourself is maybe your greatest insight. Right. It's like, there are things, uh, or it, I work with large buildings and somebody said, the one thing that big building owners don't realize is the biggest cost is all the people in the building. How do you yeah. make the, you know, they're spending all this money on beautiful glass and marble and all that. And they're trying to cut those costs. But, but, but the biggest cost in that building is human productivity. How productive are they? So there's, there's an yeah. insight there somewhere that maybe you should write that book on your third book. So, eh, yeah. Yeah, all right, I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with the appreciation, appreciation dynamic. Uh, so tools, resources, strategies, and we are, we're already starting to talk about that. But if, if somebody mm -hmm. is interested in like, man, I, I want, maybe it's just that 
defining what what thriving in their career looks like. Maybe it's that yeah. satisfaction piece, whatever it might be. What are some mm-hmm. with some things that either other books that you've come across that really kind of helped with that path, uh, or other you know advice you got from mentors, other things like that to help you thrive in your career or can help other people? Yeah, um, thanks for that. You know, the books that I re- will refer out most. Uh, I love Lencioni's work on organizational mm-hmm. health, um, mm-hmm. that, which would help somebody pick a healthy company. I think being around a healthy company, uh, one of the best things that I uh, would suggest, and I probably, well, thriving in career, like best entrepreneur advice. When people ask me, I'm like, marry well. Mm-hmm. If you're really going to be an entrepreneur, you need <laughs> that somebody correct. that's aligned. I'm like, that has your back. So marry well. Yep. Yeah. Number two, I would probably say you get you gotta find mentors. And so I'm writing another book, but I'll give you the short summary of a, of of knowing what to look for in a mentor. Mm. A mentor is somebody that has wisdom that they're willing to share. A mentor is somebody that will take the time to actually get to know you, because why would you take advice on life's most important decisions from somebody that doesn't Correct. even know you? Correct. Right. So it's a contact sport. A mentor mm-hmm. is somebody that will take the time. Third one is a mentor will love you and not a sentimental love, but speak the truth in love that they, lo- they that they're not conflicted in the way that they would give you advice. They're not doing it for any other purpose than to see you win, to see you be better. And the last piece is a mentor is somebody that is values aligned, at least shares your worldview. That doesn't mean you have to agree on everything, right? but that basic question of why are we here on earth and how do we keep score? It's really hard, I would argue, really impossible to have a mentor that's headed a different direction than you. They ha- you have to be aligned going the yeah, same direction. Good. But if you can find mentor that passes those four tests, uh, you can have gurus and advisors and all that, but a mentor, somebody that will walk alongside you for the long haul as a guide, that's a oh. gift. And uh, I've been fortunate at specific times. So I, I think finding a mentor is huge for career that's advancement awesome. to yes. help you think through. And, and then and then you can find those mentors that also have specialty advice. So not only do they pass those tests, but they're a genuine expert in an area that interests you, that aligns with your gifts. That's gold. That's great. I love it. Yeah. And I'm looking forward. I, I had heard inklings of this, this book. So I'm really excited uh, yeah, to hear to when it comes out. Uh, all right. Last question. Somebody who wants to thrive in their career. Yeah. The encouragement that it's worth it. Like that's where I think of like so many, I I think a lot of times, and I don't necessarily know if it's playing safe, like you mentioned earlier, it could be, but a lot of times people take a really reductionist view of their careers of work just because it's easier. And because that's a lot of the noise around us is. Yeah. Um, But people, if people want something different. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I, I got it. Um, in fact, let me double back to that last question because there's one other book that I recently yeah. read. I was thinking of the title. Uh, Dave Alpern is the president of Joe Gibbs Racing, and he just wrote a book called Taking the Lead. It's a okay. very interesting book because he joined that racing organization as an intern in the bloom, broom closet, and now he's the president. And he has a very, very interesting take on making yourself indispensable and, and serving mm. and p- focusing on culture and, uh, you know, a lot of observations from being around what I believe is some, some world-class leaders and in a very, very elite sports team. So that book is, I think, great. It's, and it, and it's, 
it's uh, one that I would recommend your listeners to to pick up. Uh, Dave Alpern taking the lead because he talks about that path of how he had to grow and also his misconceptions and his times of being very, very impatient that things weren't happening quick enough, hmm. um, et cetera. So now remind me of yeah, question five. Awesome. No problem. Encouragement for those who want to thrive, who, who yeah. think I'd really love to not feel like I'm wasting 45 hours a week, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I got to do, I, it sounds like I got to do some work. So yeah. what encouragement do you have to take the first step or to continue on that journey? Sure. Yeah. Be patient at first meaning be patient, but the process starts with, with really asking yourself, you know, what do I want? That can be a very mm-hmm. hard question, but what do I want? Getting alignment with your spouse and then also a mentor and then starting to explore options. It's amazing. And I'm not one of those, uh, you know, name it and claim it kind of guys, but when you write it down on paper and start to think about it, yes. your brain will be working in the background, looking for opportunities, mm-hmm. uh, and those opportunities may or may, may or may not exist inside of your company. Chances are they do. I would agree. Because everybody, you know, how often do you find somebody who's qualified, available, priced right, motivated? If you show up and you're qualified, available, priced right, motivated, why wouldn't a business owner, if you're not the owner, allow you more responsibility and more impact? They probably will. If they won't, then you say, well, that doesn't make sense. And in which case you might have to step back and say, yeah, there's something about this culture is broken Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to be able to thrive in this culture. And that can be a really powerful conversation because once you get clear, and like I said, with yourself, with your spouse, with the Lord, with a mentor on what you're trying to accomplish, and then you're like, okay, how would I accomplish that? Do I need to read more? Do I need a certification? Do I need to join a peer group where I can get inspiration? Do I need to go have a one-on-one with my HR department or my direct supervisor or the owner of the company and let them know that I'm interested in stepping up? Mm-hmm. They may not know you're interested in stepping yeah, up. Yeah, I'm raising my hand. Yeah. Yep. And um, when you go through that process, you'll get clear with yourself and then you'll, that clarity f- with yourself will force a moment of clarity with whatever authority is in the business as well. And then from there, you, you'll either get the beginnings of new opportunity or you'll come to conclusions, which are really painful sometimes. If you've spent a long time there, you're like, mm-hmm. shoot, I feel like I might've wasted five years because I'm somewhere that I'm not actually going to be able to win or, 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 or you know, succeed or thrive yeah. in, in my career. And then, and then you got to look at that as, as an opportunity. And it's hard Mm -hmm. sometimes to not be um, scared when we venture off into new things. Now, there's some people that like that kind of a challenge and that kind of a shift because they get in a rut. I mean, five to seven years, generally, I'm thinking about a major shift because uh, I don't want to be in too much of a rut. But as I get older, and, and here's something that I would say, I learned this from Brendan Burchard, and also Peter Drucker has said something very similar. Mm. It's not very likely that you're going to be an expert in multiple um, industries or segment sectors. Brendan Bashar calls it a PFI primary field of interest. Mm. And so you may find that you need to move to a different job or role or company, but you may decide that you don't leave your current field of interest, your primary mm. field of interest. 
So, so thinking through why, if you get to that point, you're like, man, I'm just really dissatisfied. I'm not, I'm not thriving. In some cases, you got to go all the way back to the beginning and say, man, I picked the wrong industry. <laughs> I just don't like this industry. I don't yes, like what it stands for. I'm not interested for. in my field of interest. <laughs> yeah. I need, I need to shift at that yeah. level. Other times you're like, you know, and, and this is where I'm at is I'm in the telecom sector you know, and one day I, I, I get to run a, or be a leadership of a trade association. Other days I'm a consultant. Other days I'm a lender. Other days I'm an investor. They're all in my primary field of interest, but, at, but they're completely different roles, completely different rewards, completely different tasks. And so there's actually a lot of latitude in one primary field of interest. When I was younger, I bounced out of that field of interest for a while because I just was kind of arrogant. I thought I could just go somewhere else and I'd have just as much success. And I actually went somewhere else and got my teeth kicked in. And, and it was just, a, it was, you know, a little bit of humility to say, no, you were in a really good spot. You didn't value it properly back to mm -hmm. not being grateful. Mm -hmm. Be grateful for that field of interest and that expertise that you built. And so the next time I sold a business, I didn't actually leave that industry. I stayed mm -hmm. in it in a different role. And then I figured out how to kind of reinvent myself, but within the same industry. Yeah. And so you don't have, sometimes you may over-dramatize, you know, position A is not working. So I got to go all the way to position Z. Sometimes you just a little position B or C will, will suffice. That's great. Yeah. And, and trying to, to add those, those roadmaps, those steps along the way uh, are, are really, really important. And uh, we're going to link to a, a couple of, uh, trainings that we have about finding some career clarity uh, in the show yeah. notes for today, just just to be able to like some, just some good questions to ask. And so these are uh, these have been awesome answers, Seth. And I really appreciate you being able to share and, and your perspective. And you know, I, I think for a lot of people in our culture, it's it's really easy to share the wins and less so to share the you know the the yeah. kind of the dark sides of that. But I, what I what I love about it for everyone who's been on and been contributing to the book and everything else is just been, been that. I, that humanity part of it that says, I've got some things figured out, but it's because I didn't. Right. And therefore, that gives us permission to, to be in that spot and to be able to come out of it. And uh, so it definitely is encouraging for people who are on this career journey uh, or who want to be, you know, who, who yeah. are maybe just saying, you know, my, my career has been pretty static and I want to mix it up. How do I how do I get started in that? So I really yeah, appreciate that's great. That. Well, and uh, Teddy Roosevelt famously said, comparison is the thief of joy. And one thing I will say is, you know, we have perceptions about what it's like for others. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times it's, it's, they're just imaginary. And yeah. I just literally got off a call half hour before you and I, you talked, Sam, where somebody was giving me the, the backstory to a, a brand that I know really well and respect. And I still respect them. But when he gave me the backstory, I realized even with that other brand in that company, they're just mortals. They work, they stumble That's their way right. through it. Just There's like a lot the of people of over that business. Exactly. <laughs> so this is great. And I'm really excited about your book. And I, I think it's, it's going to hit, hit the target. And anything I can do to help your cause, of course, I'll be, I'll be glad to be an ally. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon, Seth. All right, brother. See you later. Thanks so much to Seth for joining us today. I made to thrive. What an awesome way to end out the, the year 2021. Uh, Seth has just been uh, an amazing source of wisdom for me through his book, which I highly recommend you get. And uh, just from uh, conversations we've shared, uh, masterminds we've, we've collaborated on, it's just been really, really good. Uh, I encourage you to go check out madetothrive.coach slash 054 for the show notes from today. You'll get the links to all the things we talked about in our conversation. 
Again, madeitthrive.coach slash 054. And if you're someone who is interested in making 2022 different than 2021, uh, balancing out maybe ambition, figuring out some things in your career, or maybe uh, some other directions as well, uh, we've talked about the seven core areas. And uh, I encourage you to take the Am I Thriving assessment. It's just at amithriving.com. Take the assessment, figure out which areas you're knocking out of the park in and which areas really need some attention. And then reach out, Sam at madetothrive.coach. And uh, let's talk about how to uh, encourage, equip, and empower you to make 2022 different than uh, 2021 was. Um, you have that agency in you. Oftentimes, we're just not using it enough. And uh, so uh, I encourage you to reach out and uh, see what we have uh, available in terms of our coaching and our courses to be able to help you to make 2022 pretty awesome. We will see you in the new year and uh, look forward to uh, all the exciting things that are coming our way. Thanks for listening to Made to Thrive. Check out madetothrive.coach for resources and coaching to help you thrive in every area of your life. And get your free assessment at amithriving.com. Talk to you soon.